water baptism, and I didn't get wet at all. So that's all right with me. And I really loved our uh, Sunday school class because I got to uh, vent. When, when, <laughs> when the, um, Maggie said, tell them the low point in the week, I says, I got that covered. I got the low point. Brenda's even praying for me a couple of days ago. Encourage me. You know, when she comes up and says, it's going to be okay, Charles, I'll take that. I'm encouraged. But uh, I'm not going to share that with you. It's a, today's the first day of the week. That's, that's behind you. Amen. I'm trying to talk myself into that. When you look at the start of the book of Acts, and uh, we're going to, I'm going to be sharing a message on the gift of the Holy Spirit. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, the Feast of Weeks. But uh, if we could go back in time to Acts 1, and that day when Jesus is talking to uh, his followers about what to do, that was the start of a week of waiting. And some people say 10 days. Well, you have to allow for the time uh, that he was in the tomb to take away from 10 days from the 40, okay? So um, he was talking to them about the Holy Spirit, and he told them to, he didn't give them any idea how long to wait. Anybody in here besides, you know, Brenda and I are common ground. We hate to wait. And I got it from my daddy because when he would go to a doctor's appointment and it said 1030, he was supposed to be taken back to the examining room at 1030. He'd embarrass me every time. says, well, all right, I'm going up there and ask him what's the problem. <laughs> and sometimes I tell him, I said, the doctor's not even here. He's not even left the hospital yet. He says, that's lying. That's what that is. They tell you to be here to see the doctor at 1030, and they're lying because they know he's over at the hospital. He can't be here. But can you imagine, wait until you're endued with power from on high, and after day one, after day two, I just happen to believe that they lost a few people. Because I don't even like waiting for three hours just about anything i'm definitely not going to sit around and wait for an hour to get a table by which i'm going to drop some money for food that's just that's just unreasonable right so you think about this waiting and it's not like that they were like maybe focused the whole time but when that sunday morning took place that morning that the day of pentecost was fully coming here comes the holy spirit with all of the amazing things surrounding it, and he told them not to do anything. They were fully trained, fully ready, giving them the command, go into all the world, preach the gospel, but don't you go until you receive this power from on high. Now, Don, Ronald's going to be preaching on that. But salvation is strictly a gift from God. There's no way people can save themselves. In fact, when they try to do that, it's not a very good job doing that. Because we don't make good saviors and we definitely don't make good lords. But we need a work of God. No one, there's a book that I saw, uh, the title, Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart. I think J.D. Greer wrote that book. Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart because it's kind of not biblical. 
You don't see that in the Bible. You see, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It is really clear that the thief on the cross did not ask Jesus to come into his heart. He just said, remember me when you come in your kingdom. I know there's something beyond this day, and I know you have something to do with a kingdom, and just think about me. And he said, that's good enough. Why? Because he never repented of his sins that we know of. All he did was express faith in Christ, and that's all Jesus needed to say, you and I will be at the same place when this day is over. I'm going to take you to... 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and when Maggie said that, I thought, well, here we go. Somebody's going to be getting in on some of my message here. The text that we're going to look at is kind of a lengthy text. He begins early in the, this letter to the Corinthian church. In fact, Paul wrote two letters, and uh, scholars believe there was a third letter that he wrote that he mentions that is, it was never found, it was lost, and... Uh, that would have been interesting as well. But he was writing to a church that had issues. In the early part of this letter, he said, um, you've got to stop these groups that you've formed, these groups that's kind of like competing with each other. And they were competing over personalities. Some say, I follow Paul. Some say, I follow Paulus. Someone says, well, I follow Cephas, which was Peter. And then the super spiritual said, well, I follow Christ. Probably they were not saying that the way it was supposed to be. This church had problems, and that is an understatement. But you never see Paul treating them as though they don't belong, as though they're not saved. In fact, he's writing to help them. These were primarily Greek, former pagans, idol worshipers, and when you think about the background, no wonder they needed teaching. No wonder they needed Paul helping them out. They even were abusing the Lord's Supper in chapter 11. This is right before he gets into the subject of 1 Corinthians 12, which is the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And right at the end of, of chapter 11, he says... And when I show up, I'm going to explain some things to you. I'm going to talk to you about where you're at. So that was kind of like a warning, was it not? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm correct. He's correcting them right and left. I mean, there's some heavy stuff in those early chapters of 1 Corinthians. So I'm reading this out of the NSV. So some of you will be happy. Brad, are you happy I'm reading this out of the NSV? We, we talk about translations. Now, now, is it okay I, I spend a little time on this? You all right? It really didn't matter. I was going to do it anyway. <laughs> now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is a curse. This is one thing that people who have a knowledge of the Lord never says something like that about Jesus. But no one can say this, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. If you're of the Holy Spirit, you'll never say something awful about Jesus, but 
on the other hand, if you're led by the Holy Spirit, it's not just saying the words Jesus is Lord. It really means that Jesus is Lord. And you can tell Paul where Paul is coming from. They were former renegades. They were former pagans, idol worshipers. But they came to God in faith. If you go back to the book of Acts, when he visited there, he wanted to leave the place. He was planning on leaving, and the Lord came to him and spoke to him, says, do not leave this city. Corinth was just west of Athens. It was, it was sin city. It was the Las Vegas of that day. It was, there was prostitution home, houses everywhere in that city. And that's where the Lord birthed the church. And he says, you don't leave this place because there's people in this city that belong to me. They don't know it yet, but they belong to me. And the Holy Spirit will always prompt us to look to Jesus as our help. That's why he come, is to reveal Christ to us. And I want you to see how this unfolds. The gifts of the, of the Holy Spirit also brings along these other gifts. In verse 4, if you're following with me, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Do you see the Trinity there? There's things about the Spirit, there's things about Jesus, and there's things about God the Father. But he said, I want all of you to know that you have had these gifts deposited into your lives. Every single one of you in this room that has experienced Christ in a saving faith he has given you at least a gift and probably gifts. I wonder how many of us in this room have had any idea. I said, Lord, what, is, what have you given to me? What is the gift? And he starts giving nine different gifts that he says, God has given to you these gifts. In verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, the word of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. He's almost emphatically saying, everything I'm going to tell you comes out of the work of the Holy Spirit. To another, gifts of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. Gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles, as we heard earlier, the supernatural. There's people, who have, there's people in this room probably have a gifting for the miraculous and may not realize it, may not know that they should walk in that because we kind of like so humble. Surely God wouldn't put that on me. You know, if you, if you have any sense that you have that gift, please lay hands on me and pray for me. Because this is what the church is supposed to look like. Is These are gifts that's not just scattered out to a handful of people. He's talking about the entire church that is so messed up. He's having to correct them, but he says, but you still have gifts. You have these gifts. He's telling them that you're not going to get these as you already have them. The gifts of miracle, prophecy, the ability to distinguish between spirits. Some say discerning of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and same Spirit who proportions to each individually as he wills. You know, you can go online and do a gift survey, a ministry survey. I've done so many of these. I've, I've used uniquely you and 
for this week, I just went back again and did it again, all over again. And I wasn't surprised. I know exactly what her gifting is. It comes out really high on discernment. I call her my personal radar. She picks up stuff that I'm oblivious to. Incoming missile, Charles. Incoming missile. <laughs> Sound the alarm. You need to be careful. That's her. It's, she, she scores off the chart there on discerning the spirit. And, and when you see this, you can go to uniquelyyou.org, and it's $10. Some of you are going to spend much more than that on your meal today. So I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've ever done a gifting test, but you ought to at least give it one shot. Where do I? Where are the, the tendencies in my life? I knew what was going to come up heavy for me. Teaching always comes off the chart, and I'm, I don't think of myself that way. But uniquely, you tells me that, so I guess I'm that. And you don't need a Bible college degree to be used of God. It might could help in some instances. There's some things in Bible college that probably could be stricken from the curriculum and, and you're not going to be lacking. I'm just trying to be honest with you. In verse 12, he says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body. Think about what he's getting at. We might all be diverse, but we all belong to the same body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and are all made to drink of one spirit. Let me draw down to verse 27. Because all of these, all of these are calling out to us what God has deposited in our lives. I, I think I might have missed verse 14. Let me go back to verse 14. Sad day when church churches split over things like this. Because I want to caution, I tell people, I want to caution you on who's your source of information, your ministry. Because when we listen to only one person, please don't do that. You need to cross-reference. I love R.C. Sproul. He's with Jesus, but there's a lot of his sermons that are still available on podcasts, and I love that man's preaching. He's Reformed theology, about as far away from me, but I just love that man's preaching. And there's other pe preachers that I reach out to. I like John MacArthur. Somebody was so surprised that I like John MacArthur. So, well, you know, he's a secessionist on this. I said, I, I, I know I don't care. I love to hear that man preach. Dr. David Jeremiah. Anybody here like to listen to David Jeremiah? Charles Stanley. Who doesn't like Charles Stanley? He just went to be with the Lord. The, you need to cross-reference. Don't stay in one person. Don't become a midget of someone else. Don't become them cross-reference because nobody has all information. Nobody has an angle on everything. This is why you shouldn't just stay with one source. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, what would that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear was, should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, 
that would not necessarily make it less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body was an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is written, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chooses. In all, if all were one member, one single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. These are a lot of questions, aren't they? I heard someone recently share about a pastor in the church they attended at one time expected everybody to be hand-waving and worshiping like this and even wanted people to do that. It reminds me of a man I pastored in, in Jacksonville, Florida, Joe Shirley. Joe Shirley was about, about six foot, probably 240, and was a brick mason and was scary. The first time I met him, I told Brenda, I said, that guy doesn't like us. He hardly said anything while his wife was just chattering away. We're in his house, and he doesn't even say boo to us. And he comes to the Lord. He gets saved, and he's like, he's, he's just like this. You can't read him. And someone had said something to him about, why don't you raise your hands? Why don't you do this? Why don't you clap? Why don't you do this? He said, well, it's not me, but I'm doing that inside of me. You see how we start trying to stereotype people? That by their habit of worship and by what we see, that's what we want everybody to be? No, be what God has called you to be. Don't, be what, don't try to be what someone else is. Be the one that God's called. Not everybody's going to be an eye. Not everybody's going to be an ear because he even says, if all of us are the same thing, where's the, all the other things that we need? In verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Nor again the head to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weaker, listen to this, are indispensable. If you don't believe that, just have an ingrowing toenail and see if that doesn't mess your day up. And it's a little bitty thing. And this is what he said. Even those weaker parts, by the way, you'll never see them in open-toe shoe. You'll never, that's just not going to happen because my own feet scare me, let alone somebody else. Those things that are weaker, he says, they're still indispensable. Like our feet, our toes, our heel. On those parts of the body we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Which our most presentable parts do not require. But God has so, listen, God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be, what does it say? No division in the body no division in the body this is this is he's writing to a church that is so much in chaos but he still believes they can all get on the same page that there's no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another if one member suffers all suffer together if one member is honored all rejoice together there was a quote about Helen Keller that someone sent me. What a story. And um, I replied that Helen Keller was born with perfect eyesight, very healthy, little girl. But at 19 months of age, she 
had scarlet fever that rendered her blind and deaf. And you think about what her child, what, what people thought about her future. And yet she had a very good sense of touch in her hand, touching things that Ann Sullivan put her hand on, put her hand on her face, her lips, taught her things, and she ended up being able to speak, do braille, and became one of the most intriguing people. She was without sight, without hearing, and yet her life touched millions of people. And this is what he's saying. Those things can leave us, but the other members of the body will make up the difference. There's people who are stronger than other people. And, there's, and in that strength, they should help us when we're weak. We're gonna have, you're going to have weak times in your life, and you're going to have strong times in our life. And I just hope and pray that as the body of Christ, that we will, we will really help each other through those tough times. This is how this chapter ends. You didn't know I was going to do the whole chapter, did you? You, you? you can get relieved now. I'm about finished. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles and prophets, then teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrating, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret but earnestly desire the higher gifts? And he adds this. And yet, I will show you a still more excellent way and we know what was coming this incredible description of love in chapter 13 see this wasn't divided up into chapters and verses when he wrote it he went from the abuse of communion into giving this is how the holy spirit's planted you in the body some of you some of you this and it takes everybody to make a healthy community of faith and he's telling them how everything should work but he's about to give them how it works. And that's through love. There's this great mixture of office. If you read 27 on down, it doesn't just go back to some of the gifts that he mentioned earlier. It talks about apostles, prophets, teachers. All of these are gifts to the church. I want a praise team to come up. Paul closes out this section with encouragement he had a lot of correction that he was giving this congregation and and they were really way out of bounds in some things but if there's ever a letter that lets you know that God still has a plan for a church even in chaos Paul wasn't just writing to correct them he was writing them to say you can get here you can get to a place of unity. You can get to a place where you look at each other and say, I don't have that gift, but I need that gift. I don't have what you have, but I need that, and that we need each other. Would you stand with me? Love is the more excellent way. Boy, do we need these gifts today? Like we heard earlier, Healings, miracles, prophecy, 
And you know what? It can happen anywhere. It's great when it happens inside of a service, but it happens anywhere there's a need. Don't miss those doors that God opens to you in the course of your week. We're someone in need. I got a chance to pray for a man this week, stopped by the church. You know, I, I kind of knew what was going on, but had a chance to pray for him. He said he knew the Lord. The doors are going to open to you if you care about people. And when the door opens, take time because that could be that could be someone that the Lord says, that's like an angel coming to you. You might entertain angels unaware. He's just maybe testing. I saw where a pastor dressed up like a hobo and sat down to the front of his church one Sunday morning, didn't tell anyone. And every single member of the church walked right by him. Had a big old beard, hat, had a old raggedy clothes and he was hurt so bad, not for his church, but he was hurting that he had not taught them to help those who are weak, to help those who are hurting. Lord, I pray this morning that we're ready when we encounter someone that is right in front of us that needs healing, that needs encouragement, that needs hope, needs salvation. Just as was said earlier, there's probably some that's had a, a tough week this week. Some low points that's hit them hard. And maybe they're still carrying the sting of that. I pray, Lord, that they'll receive from you healing and encouragement restoration what has been taken from them would be returned to them Lord that they would a family member someone who's kind of severed their relationship that you would mend that relationship if any of that could be a situation you're facing or you know that someone is facing that that needs healing would you just step out into the middle aisle? You don't have to come down here front. But just step out in the middle aisle, and we're going to believe God to do something in that situation, a healing, a restoration. Why not? Why not when he says he's given us these gifts of healings, of breakthrough, of restoration, of encouragement, discerning, discerning where things are and if you're close to one of these that's standing in the aisle, would you just go and stand with them we are the body of Christ lay hands on them believe God for a breakthrough would you do that just believe God for a breakthrough Spirit